We've had to borrow money to pay the king's tax on our fields and our vineyards. Although we are of the same flesh and blood as our fellow Jews, and though our children are as good as theirs, yet we have to subject our sons and daughters to slavery. Some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but we are powerless because our fields and our vineyards belong to others. When I heard their outcry in these charges, I was very angry. I pondered them in my mind and then accused the nobles and officials. I told them, you are charging your own people interest. So I called together a large meeting to deal with them and said, as far as possible, we have bought back our fellow Jews who were sold to the Gentiles. Now you are selling your own people only for them to be sold back to us. They kept quiet because they could find nothing to say. So I continued, what you are doing is not right. Shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God to avoid the reproach of the Gentile enemies? I and my brothers and my men are also lending the people money and grain, but let us stop charging interest. Give back to them immediately their fields and their vineyards, their olive groves and their houses, and also the interest you are charging them, 1% of the money, the grain, the new wine, and the olive oil. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Well, God, again today, we pray for insight and understanding on who you are and who we are and the kind of relationship you're calling us into with you, with ourselves, and with each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are in the midst of our series, wrestling with being a kingdom participant, but also living in a politically divided world. And so last week, we reviewed Nehemiah's story. He was a civil servant who volunteered to leave an influential and most likely relatively comfortable job as an attendant to King Artaxerxes in Persia's palace in the 5th century BC to go and help rebuild the broken city of Jerusalem. He's one of the most revered civil servants in all of the Bible and is an excellent example of the importance of civil servants that participants of the kingdom of God or residents of the kingdom of God uh, could and should provide for their neighbors. Now, our text of emphasis this morning, uh, in it, Nehemiah made an appeal on behalf of the people to the leaders of the city. He was an advocate for those their needs. This morning, we have another advocate, Steve Hemingway, with us. And while I don't think he was ever anyone's wine bearer uh, or anything uh, uh, equivalent to that, uh, he did choose to give up a lot of time to enter civil service in his local community there in Riverside, California, winning the election for city council and uh, serves in District 7. And so he won last, uh, last fall and has been serving there, I think, since November. And so, Steve, welcome to the worship service for Church of the Advent Hope. Thank you. Thank you. It took me a minute to unmute there. Thanks so much, uh, Pastor Todd. This is uh, great to be a part this morning uh, and uh, just grateful to um, participate. Well, thank you. We know uh, it's, it's a lot earlier there than it is here, so appreciate you getting up to join us. And, uh, you know, we're wrestling again with the implications again during this uh, tumultuous political environment. So I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about your involvement in the Adventist Church and then what your motivation was for getting involved in 
your local city government? Yeah, uh, so I'm here at La Sierra University Church out here in Riverside, California. Um, the, the title here, Director of Finance for me, uh, most know it is sort of an administrative pastor role, looking at all the fun things like budget and uh, you know, operations, strategic planning, you know, all the really exciting things like numbers. But um, I also am an adjunct instructor over at the university, um, School of Business and some of the, uh, do some teach some humanities classes over there. And when people ask, you know, what, what made you decide to run, uh, you know, for local city government, uh, you know, maybe I was a little crazy, uh, but the, 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 as I look back now, I probably would have thought a little more carefully uh, in anticipation of 2020, but you never know, right? And so um, just was looking around and realized I can either sit by and, and let things sort of play out uh, as they, they will, or I can get involved if I'm not content with some of the way things uh, look to me um, and the way uh, we tend to our community. And, and some of the big issues here, which I, I, I'm sure are very common uh, there in New York as well. Um, housing and homelessness is always a really important thing that um, uh, we, we haven't figured out yet. And um, along with some financial realities for the city of Riverside that we need to, to address and um, just local challenges here. Uh, when, when, when I looked at the candidate pool, um, I wasn't convinced that it represented what I think the best that we could do for our space. And, um, and like I said, uh, primarily uh, the, the disparity of wealth that causes housing and homelessness challenges and um, how those would be dealt with. And, and so I said, maybe it's time to not stand by, not sit by, and I'll throw my hat in the ring and see, see how this goes. Yeah, well, we're certainly dealing with yeah, very similar issues here. Affordable housing is a huge issue in our neighborhood and in the city at large. So we definitely uh, share those challenges. And so, I mean, you're on the staff there at, uh, at your church, your church and um, as, as a pastor and then went into city government. I mean, it's an amazing thing. And so how has your work in city government shaped your view of the ideal relationship between the, the church and the broader community? Yeah, that, you know, it's a, it's a great question. And I think it's, um, it's a pretty, uh, you know, interesting thing to consider. Um, often I, I, I think that the quick answer is that there's a sphere of influence that the faith community has um, that sometimes we don't realize we have uh, how to use the larger collective uh, voice to address issues. And um, when we have congregations that um, start to think about uh, their community, their neighborhoods, and how they want them to look, um, rather than just talk about it, we can actually utilize that voice uh, and speak into a situation or a problem. When I would, a friend of mine that does, um, that trains a lot of folks in community organizing would always say the one, the one closest to the problem, those closest to the problem likely have, uh, they know what's needed and they likely have the best idea for solutions. And so um, as a church that's supposed to be planted and rooted in a community and in a space and speaking into that space, using that collective voice, I think that's a tremendous power that we don't uh, often realize. And so it's helped me kind of understand that uh, role that the faith communities can have uh, um, in, in their local politics and, and, and uh, in, in their neighborhoods and communities. Well, that's great. Yeah, I think they're, they're in, in the Adventist tradition in particular, there is this kind of idea of sequestering ourselves off into our little group and not actually worrying about things. But obviously, 
you've taken a different route than that. And it sounds like the, uh, the church has too. So I wonder, you know, what is your response to what I would imagine a, a question that you've heard before is to, for those who say, you know, Adventists actually shouldn't be involved in, in politics. Well, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I, for many times, uh, I think I've heard, I've often heard folks say that really there's no place for politics and church to intermingle and, um, you know, don't talk about politics in church. Uh, and we get a little concerned about offending um, uh, folks. And so um, there's this idea that, that we shouldn't be involved. Um, and, and as Adventists, maybe you shouldn't um, uh, be in roles of, of, of politics. But, you know, I, I, I think if we look back at our history, not only have we been involved in, in advocating in, uh, for, for change in our community, our society, um, but, but it's important to, I don't see how we can tease the two apart. So when someone says, uh, you know, uh, Adventists shouldn't be involved in politics, I say, I don't know how we can't be involved because, you know, the core of who we are, the internal drive that, that is shaped by our faith, um, it also influences uh, how we, we view the world and, and, and our politics, how our policies, the thing that we vote on and how we want to see our society function and work. Um, also, I believe is rooted in what we, we are, our faith and what we, we believe. And so I, I can't, I can't see the two T's to, you know, that, that they're, that they're mutually exclusive or I, I think they run in tandem. Um, obviously there's a fine line, right? Because we don't want um, uh, maybe our own um, idea or faith tradition to imply that others don't have a place. Um, but, but it's certainly, I don't think there's a way to get around the fact that um how we've been shaped by uh, our faith tradition and our beliefs uh, don't speak into our politics. Yeah, I like the distinction that I've heard of, of politics versus partisanship and uh, how, you know, politics, it really, as you're saying, it's really necessary to, to be involved in the, the workings of the community. And that's really what politics um, is. So, yeah, thank you for uh, for that articulation. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about your, your history here. So you have a bachelor's degree in religious studies from last year, and then you also have a master's in, in, um, in business and finance. But do you find that being trained in ministry, uh, formally trained, uh, and being an active participant in the Adventist church has helped or, or hindered your ability to be a good uh, a good civic leader, a good council person. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so that, that's, <laughs> again, I think there's, there's both the, the hindering there's both, right. I mean, it's, it's hindered again in the, in the, in this idea that we don't talk about politics um, again, for fear that we might offend it. And, and I think it's always interesting. And I heard many folks talk about um, Berrien Springs in Michigan. I grew up, I was born in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Uh, I also spent a little bit of time at Andrews. Um, uh, I was actually from Three Rivers, but when I say Three Rivers, nobody knows where Three Rivers is, so I just say Kalamazoo. Um, but, uh, you know, many intriguing conversations um, about even in our faith tradition, how there's, there's disagreement um, and, and different views and takes on things. Um, and so when we say, well, we can't really talk about politics. What if we disagree? If we can't have those conversations in our churches, I mean, what, what, what good and what possibility um, is there out there for even being able to have civil discourse and dialogue in our, in our communities and our spaces regarding politics and what we, we feel should influence our, our, um, 
our spaces. But back to the real question that you've asked, has, has my degree, uh, my undergraduate degree in religion and being involved in the, the, the church, um, has that hindered or helped um, in, in the world of politics? And, I, you know, I, I think it's helpful um, because, again, back to what I was saying earlier, we, it, it sort of shapes our view of community and how um, we should function in the world. Um, in my opinion, uh, and so learning that um, in, in, in at La Sierra, and it, it's kind of set my course for um, my understanding of who God is, um, how we were created to be, and what ought our communities, um, you know, our cities, our neighborhoods, what what ought they look like when we think about kingdom, kingdom living and, and life, and and the life that the gospel can, the gospel can speak into those spaces. Um, you know, because we talk about it at church. I mean, we sang songs about it even today. We, we um, you know, uh, we, we often speak uh, and preach about it. Um, and rather than it just being a weekly gathering, uh, sort of a, a faith social club, if you will, um, we can't just, we can't, we don't want to just do this great hangout community here in our church. And then it doesn't exist the rest of the day and uh, the rest of the week. Um, and so I think that understanding of, again, who God is, what God has in, in store for our communities um, has influenced how I then want to see our communities lived out. Um, you know, and hopefully when we go out from our spaces and we start to pattern our lives based on that, um, we, we, we care for, um, the widow, the orphan, we talk about this, the widow, the orphan, the aspiring citizen, we care about those things. And um, we want to speak up for those that are vulnerable and um, those that are, are voiceless. Um, we want to speak out against oppressive realities and systems and, and injustice. Um, and, and, and so being educated um, in religion and then also working in the Adventist system, um, my, my mind is cued toward those things and how we can uh, reshape policy and reshape um, uh, practices uh, for our community so that everyone has uh, ability to thrive and, and um, is healthier, whole, and well because of the things that we're doing uh, in our space. And if a church, you know, I, I feel like if a church um, isn't, isn't doing that, then sometimes we may have missed our potential and, and, we're, and we're not doing all that we can do to uh, to uh, transform our communities and change the world. Yeah, you know, I, I think one of the, the critiques that you often hear, certainly when we talk about politicians, is that they're, you know, they're in for power or, you know, they are, they're looking out for their self-interest. But the way that you're describing it uh, here kind of contradicts that completely. It really is uh, an, an interest not in just self, but in, in the community and in, in people. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, I mean, again, I think, you know, it's, it's always, it's always great. We, in this pandemic is, is for us here at La Sierra, and I'm sure there, um, you, you, we recognize more fully this desire and urge for community, uh, being together, um, being with each other, sharing with each other, um, so that when some are having a more difficult time, those that are stronger at the moment can be support and vice versa. Um, and, and we would hope that that idea uh, um, also plays out uh, in, our, in our neighborhoods. Um, this sort of selfless sharing for the sake of the whole, right? The, the, for the, the sake of others. 
this idea, um, you know, we, we learn that in, in our, um, in our study of scripture and in our understanding of God. And, and so, um, yeah, I, I think, uh, that, that reshaping and repatterning, we, we do this weekly to remind ourselves, this is what our community should look like. This is what kingdom living looks like here now. Um, and, and so um, that, that, that selfless pouring into each other and the space around us for the common good, I, I think that, that we can't avoid. Yeah, that's beautiful. We heard in the three questions, Natasha, Natasha shared some of the things that she's doing to serve the community, some incredible projects there. Natasha, thanks for the work that you're doing. We also, in the, the 9 a.m., we heard from uh, Walter. Walter is actually our community service leader, or has been here at, uh, at the Avent Hope community, and is very active uh, with, uh, with the city and in incredible ways, specifically with the homeless. Uh, he has started a, a shower program. To, uh, he has a van that goes around that uh, partners with uh, the Bowery Mission and other places to provide showers. And so there's so many practical things. And so I, I wonder, you know, in what ways you see further potential for collaboration between the church and the community and, and the larger city? Yeah, I, I think, uh, again, it goes back to just um, recognizing that the church can be such an influential space. The church body as a whole can um, speak into what's happening around us. Um, and by participating um, and, and getting engaged and being involved um, here in Riverside. Um, one, one of the first things when I got over uh, to La Sierra University Church, um, I had heard about an interfaith group that was meeting uh, to, again, this is, we, uh, we were meeting at the um, Temple Bethel, right? We, and, and there were many groups and different uh, faith communities. We would get together and we started talking about how we could make uh, a difference in our communities. Um, and, and they, we're basing off of uh, a book that uh, Reverend William Barber wrote and, and something that he had done called Moral Mondays. And we said, well, let's do, let's kind of do something like that. We called it Stand Up Tuesdays, uh, you know, because we could, Mondays was taken. So we, we, we decided to go with Tuesdays. And so once, once a month, we would look at um, social justice issues that we thought the community needed to know about and learn from. And, and um, we could push and advocate for change in those spaces. Um, but I think that's, that's one way that uh, collaboration can happen is you get those groups together and then they speak into the, the civic space, uh, into the, uh, um, to their elected officials and, and things that they want to see changed. Um, we, and we also had, we were fortunate here, the mayor um, is also uh, very involved in, in faith communities uh, in Riverside and, and, and realized, hey, if we want to... Um, if we want to really address some of the, the, the challenges that Riverside is facing, we need to rally everyone together and again, have them leverage their sphere of influence and their congregations and their communities to address his main thing was homelessness. And so he started meeting uh, with different churches and saying, you know, what, what are your thoughts on this and how can we all work together uh, to address it? And um, asking churches, Hey, uh, do you have members that have properties or rental properties that we could, um, you know, provide for those experiencing uh, homelessness um, or, uh, or um, you know, that would help the city utilize land, even free land to develop um, housing. And, you know, we we're fortunate that, that our conference right here had uh, a big plot of land. Our union through the conference had a big plot of land. And so now we're developing 80 units of affordable housing um, with wraparound services. And, uh, and, and they're a, 
a bunch of different identified properties that different members of the faith community throughout Riverside um, have offered up. Uh, you know, we started a Love Your Neighbor collaborative um, right here out of the church office. We had so many folks walking through our doors every day asking, you know, we, we, we need help. We're, we're on the verge of homelessness or we can't pay our utilities or, um, you know, we just, we can't find a job. And uh, we realized quickly that even though our, the pastor's desire is to be helpful, they're, they're not always the best or skilled at directing folks through social services, right? And so we partnered with our, our local universities here in Riverside to use social work interns and place them throughout the city uh, to, to field folks that, you know, might walk in the door and need uh, direction and, and help and assistance. And so, again, placing them in churches, and this is all this faith community and, 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 and uh, the city's collaboration to make those things happen. And most recently, uh, as we know, um, we, we've had uh, some racial divide here uh, in, in Riverside and, and, you know, and throughout the country. And so um, with, with a colleague of mine on the city council, we, we formed a, a police reform task force and we thought who better than our faith communities to speak into that space on how we can, um, you know, make sure that we're you know, caring for everyone and equally uh, responding to the, the needs of, of, of our community and particularly um, for, for um, the people of color that are, um, that, that are disproportionately being affected. And so th this is the faith community, again, alongside um, the city council, and uh, we're, we're going to create policy out of that group. And, and it's going to, you know, we'll take it to city council. So it's just, it's being available and speaking into the space as a, as a faith community, um, knowing that we can affect change with our, our, our collective voice. I just think uh, there's, there's uh, so much power in that. Yeah, wow. That, well, thank you for those, those great, uh, really, really uh, practical applications that you've given us as we think about this. And we reflect again on this narrative of Nehemiah that we just read about in Nehemiah chapter 5 who, uh, again, was also advocating for many, many of the same, same things, unjust treatment among the people and, and uh, working and speaking out for that. So thank you for being a great example uh, for us in that as well. You know, almost as, as kind of a, a fun side note here as we, as we close, I wonder if there are any misconceptions about city government that uh, you would most like to rectify here among people in the community and particularly the church community, you've, you've been in city government now for, for long enough to, I'm sure, uh, recognize some things that, you know, people think this way, but it's really, really might not be that way. So is there anything in particular that uh, jumps out to you when it comes to rectifying our, our ways of thinking towards city government? Well, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's probably many, many things we could talk about. Um, but, but I'm reminded of a, of a conversation that just happened this week, as a matter of fact. Um, someone was, uh, you know, clearly we're, things are constantly changing with this pandemic and how we respond to it. Um, and, and again, some folks think it's one way and some, some think it's the other way and how we should be responding and how we shouldn't be responding and um, how we're over responding or, or under responding. It's just, it, it, it's, it's amazing. Um, and one individual was saying to me, you know, I'm just a little concerned about the overreach of, of, of what's happening here, the local government or the government's overreach. Um, you know, maybe we, I should stand against that so that we don't have that happen. Uh, you know, what should I do about this overreach of that, that government? And I said, well, I, you, you know, uh, the government isn't some sort of entity over here. It's really um, 
uh, an elected uh, representative um, by you all, by the people, for the people. We, we, we serve. This is why it's called civil service, right? We're, we're, we're really at, um, we're at the will of the people. And I, while there's, there's always, it's, it's less than ideal and perfect in many scenarios, but, but that is, that is um, the, the purpose and function. And so um, th this idea of us and them, it's, it's that thing versus us. Um, I, I want to at least maybe correct that narrative that we, we all have the ability to, um, to shape how our, our local cities, how our local government, how, our, um, how the federal government, um, state, all those different entities, uh, uh, how that they're run. We, and, and if we don't like what we see, um, then we need to utilize our voice and our vote to make sure that uh, it is representative of what we would like to see. Um, and and, and it, when it's not the way we want it, again, for me, when I was starting you know, saying at the beginning, I didn't want to sit by and, 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 uh, and just complain or, or, or be frustrated by what I was seeing. Um, but when we look at voter turnout, it, it just, um, it's, it's, it's a little discouraging. Um, and so maybe that's why sometimes it's not the way we want it and we have to see more of an us and them, but we can, we can get involved. We can let our voice and our vote uh, count and uh, speak into the space. And, and, and once we recognize that that is, um, uh, that is the power that each person in, in the collective community have uh, to shape um, the way their neighborhoods function and their city functions and their government functions, uh, I think it, it takes on a whole new meaning um, that we can say, uh, it's not us and them, this is the government functions for the well-being of, of the people and we need to make sure that we're allowing our voice to be heard so that that can continue to happen. And the faith community, of course, I believe plays a, a, an integral and vital part in, in all of that. Well, it, it sounds like it's a similar misconception that, that happens in the church where you have you know, people think of things only as an institution. The government certainly happens to church. The church is a, a body. It's an institution. It's a staff when it's really the people. And the government is also really made up of, of people or representatives of the people. So getting people engaged. I know we host actually um, a gathering about once a year here with our local council people. We have two because we're right on the dividing line and they come and, and uh, just watching them take the feedback that they get, oftentimes complaints from, from neighbors, but I, I've always appreciated how engaged they are. And to your point, like how, quite frankly, small a group it is of people who actually take the time to be engaged in, in, uh, in the workings of the government, even by just sharing complaints or getting involved in, in helping out. In fact, right now we have uh, some city officials right over here, one, one uh, block from us, literally going up and down the street on 86th Street and picking up trash. Normally we're out there with them, but uh, timing didn't work out uh, this week. But uh, it, you know, getting involved, staying involved, getting engaged, we, we make up the community. And until it, it, I, what I hear you saying is until we kind of take that role seriously, we're going to continue to be cynical and frustrated about what's what's going on in church and and government. Yeah, that's yeah, I 100% agree, and and I see it as well. Um, you know, the 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 beautiful thing about uh, church, I think we, we get the most out of church when we participate, um, and when there's room for participation. Um, 
and I think the same applies to um, our local government um, and, and we and in our communities in general, when we can participate in the life of the community and pour ourselves into that space um, so that uh, we're, we're moving forward and, and we're improving, uh, we're taking ownership and improving our space. Um, and again, uh, attempting to um, uh, shape them in ways that we believe uh, we were created in, in King, you know, this kingdom living mentality. Um, when we can do that, same with the church, we got to pour ourselves into that space. And not only does it to selflessly pour into a space, is it good for us? It, it sort of reshapes our character to be um, as concerned about those around um, as we are about ourselves. Uh, but it also means that everyone's taken care of in the community. Um, I always talk about um, in one of my classes, I, I talk about, can you imagine if we were all kind of watching each other's back, there'd be no, uh, everyone would be covered, right? Um, but it's when we, when one or some start to only concern themselves with the individual that someone may in a vulnerable, you know, someone that might be vulnerable or um, weak might, might not be tended to and cared for. But if we keep the mentality of selflessly looking out for the sake of the whole, we know that we're all taken care of and we emulate that in church. I think that's what church is uh, about. And we certainly can do that in our communities and in our involvement in our cities um, and in the policy uh, that's, that's created there um, to make sure that, that, that all are cared for in our midst. And I, I just think that's, that's the key. Um, and so we model it, we continue to model it in church and it pours out into our communities. And, and, and as long as we remember that, I think we're, we're better off all the time. Well, th thank you, Steve. This has been incredible. Thanks again for waking up uh, early in the morning here to be with us and uh, blessings in your continued work there in District 7 and at the last year Community Church. And uh, we consider you a mentor now in how to do this. So we'll be uh, in touch with more uh, in the future. But thanks again for this time this morning. And now we have the words of, of Jesus as we let you go, uh, Steve. And again, th thank you for uh, the privilege of having you here. Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, he said this, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. The message of Jesus is that as we are empowered by the Spirit of Jesus, you and I can be a positive force for good in our cities and our communities. And so we're thankful for the testimony again of Steve, but God wants to do that work throughout the community for Advent Hope here. And so may he do that in us. May he empower us to be salt and light in this world today. Amen.